When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. The panel. Guy Havelt with us this morning, as is Hamish Bidwell with our look back at events over the weekend and what's going to happen, particularly in the rugby world. And first of all, Guy Havelt, can you clear something up for us? We've had conflicting reports. Some say the press conference was knocked on the head uh, at a very late moment. Uh, Other people say it was never scheduled at all. Can you tell us the truth about that, Guy? I wouldn't have a clue, Smithy, to be honest. Uh, I have had the last week off. I noted that uh, in our bulletin last night that uh, Ian Foster said to our reporter that he had no idea it was happening, so perhaps it wasn't scheduled, uh, but I'm not too sure. But it was uh, certainly bizarre, and whether it was scheduled or not, uh, I feel like they probably should have done one yesterday in either case, because there are so many questions to answer, uh, ask, answer, um, and, you know, I, I kind of understand where Foster was coming from. He wanted to talk about the game, whatever, on Saturday. Well, if that was the case on Sunday, he should have fronted up and asked, answered all the questions that were going to be put to him about that team, that performance, the way this team is heading, his co- his role as coach of this team, the role of the other coaches of this team, and where on earth this all-black side is heading because it is not good and it has not been good for a wee while now. Okay, Hamish Bidwell, what's uh, what's your take on the the reaction from the All Black camp and uh, New Zealand rugby? Uh, it's been pathetic, unprofessional, uh, short-sighted, uh, shameful, really. Um, they have to inspire confidence in the nation. They have to give Ian Foster a platform on which to be a leader. Like, he's their coach. And when they put in a press release yesterday and didn't have a press conference, I thought, OK, perhaps they're going to bin the guy. They haven't done that yet. They're going to have another talk fest. I don't know what there is to discuss. They've sat down and chatted, you know, at the end of every campaign. Um, they, they do during the season anyway. But, like, the main thing was they had to try and give Foster a platform to show some authority and some leadership, to, to be asked hard questions, to give strong answers, to give the nation, who are a bit confused at the moment, something to believe in, something to inspire confidence. OK, the guy in charge really is a leader. He really does know what he's doing. And by not having him up and not taking proper questions, and by intervening on Saturday night, they sort of, they diminished the man's standing. They, they, they basically said he's not capable of uh, standing up for himself and, and, and speaking articulately and passionately about the team. And if they didn't do that, if that wasn't their motivation, if their motivation was that we don't deserve to have any answers, that we people who pay subscriptions by jerseys, by tickets, haven't got skin in the game, don't deserve answers, and that's, that's even worse. So as a way to handle a crisis or a way to handle a situation, well, I can't think of anything, anything worse. Okay, uh, so uh, what, do, what do you think is going to happen now, Guy? Have you, have you given it some thought as to what direction they're going to head? I, I mean, to me, cancelling that press conference, I think, was a bad sign. Um, they just wanted uh, Ian Foster out, out of, uh, out of everything. Uh, that's the way I initially thought of it. 
Yeah, I, I know a few people said that they were hiding. I, I think I, I'm like you. I think that this points to something happening in the background. And why wouldn't it? Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I suspect that he will stay on as coach until this two tests against South Africa over in South Africa. They'll see how those tests go. I think if he loses one, certainly if he loses both, uh, his time, I suspect, could be up. Look, something needs to change, uh, and I think it's probably at least Ian Foster needs to, needs to go. Scott Robertson needs to come in. I think that's been a no-brainer now for a couple of years. Scott Robertson's the best coach in the country, uh, possibly the best coach in the world. Look at what he's done with the Crusaders for X amount of years now. How on earth he wasn't given that All Blacks job is just baffling. But anyway, he needs to be moved in. And one other thing that I think is... is is, needs to be discussed and looked at here is to me there are too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to this All Blacks team you've got Ian Foster as a head coach you've got John Plumtree, you've got Scott McLeod you've got Brad Moore, you've got Greg Feek I believe you've still got Andrew Strawbridge, you've also got Joe, Joe Schmidt who had a hand a little bit in this series and in, until the series ended you had Grant Fox as well that's seven or eight different people all having decisions or says on, on, on you know, um, ideas on what's happening in this All Blacks team. Now, now us three here, we can agree on some stuff. We, we don't agree on other things. That's fine. But if you've got seven or eight people sitting around a table um, coming up with tactics, selections, the way this team plays, with eight people, you're not going to get a consensus that often. And it's going to be difficult to then come up with a strong game plan and have a team playing uh, in the way that they should be playing. So to me, that's something that needs to be looked at. Far too many people involved in this team. You've got 15 players on the field. Why do you need eight people who have a say on how they play? Uh, far too convoluted, and I think that's part of the problem. OK, Guy Havelt and uh, Hamish Bradwell with us this morning. Take a short break for the news. When we come back, Hamish, I'm going to ask you which direction you would take if you were given uh, the opportunity to either hire or fire. That's uh, coming up shortly in part two of the panel. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Guy Havelt with us this morning, as well as Hamish Bidwell. Uh, Hamish, um, as a preempted, uh, I just wonder what direction you would take now if you were Mark Robertson or the board of New Zealand Rugby. I'm glad you gave me a heads up there because I would have panicked if you'd put me on the spot. Um, well, Dave Rennie, uh, Wayne Smith, Mike Cron, McBurn, they'd do a job for you. Um, we're not going to get any of those people, obviously. I mean, Steve Hansen would be amazing. You know, Guy talked before about how unworkable that many people in a room is. Well, if you have a leader, as Hansen was, someone who's ruthless and decisive, uh, <laughs> it works. Um, so what are they going to do? I don't know. I, I honestly, because they've been so pathetic all the way through and never face the reality of the situation in terms of the person they'd put in charge, and, and I, I assumed that they would just add Joe Schmidt to the group on a more formal basis and just leave it as it is. I, I, they've never really shown any stomach to do something drastic. Like The problem they've got, too, is, is as we saw when um, Foster was appointed, was they'd alienated every available coach or they disenfranchised every available coach to the point they didn't want to apply. And they were left with Ian Foster and Scott Robertson for the most sought-after job in the rugby world, surely. you know There was no Eddie Jones, no Rocky Erasmus. No Rennie, no Joseph. None of those guys wanted to be involved. And so we've got a choice between A and B. I don't know if B and Robertson is actually the great choice. That's, that's, that's the damning thing about how badly they've managed their talent, how badly they've managed the situation. That we, we basically have two choices. Do we stay with a guy who's failing or do we pick someone at the last minute who we're not sure about? Like, it's, it's not a great situation to be in. 
No, it's far from ideal. Um, there's no doubt about that. But I, I think uh, w- what we should do, uh, Guy, is just pay uh, a bit of credit to, to Ireland and, and the performance of the three New Zealanders. I mean, to me, four, out, four, uh, four New Zealanders had outstanding games on Saturday night. Artie Savia and then uh, Jamison Gibson-Park, uh, James Lowe, and, of course, Bundy Arkey uh, were standouts for Ireland. So, man, they've got them going in the right direction. Yeah, Artie Savia was fantastic, wasn't he? About the only one who really put his hand up. But, yeah, you're right about those three as well. And you're right about Ireland. I mean, I know, I think France is, is officially top of the world rankings. I, I, I think it's clear that Ireland's the best team in the world. Uh, they have been so good. And this is the thing. It's not that the All Blacks are losing. That, that bugs it, it's, It bugs me. It's how they're losing. They were comprehensively, comprehensively outplayed on Saturday night. They weren't even on the field in the second half, and they were blown away by a superb Irish side. And then when Ireland got tested in that second half, when the All Blacks woke up for about 15 minutes, uh, the Irish still managed to hold firm and, and, and hit back and, and get back to the way that they were playing in the first half and in the end, you know, win fairly comfortably again. Uh, look, yeah, they are a superb team, and, and I think it would be remiss of us not to not to give them a lot of credit and, and, and deserved praise for how they've won this series, and there's absolutely no doubt that, that they deserve to win the series and the All Blacks deserve to be second. Um, I've got to give the Irish cricket team a bit of praise here as well, Hamish, but, well, I know it's not on the agenda, but... Uh, I just thought um, we could have lost any one of those three uh, the other day against uh, the night against them as well. So uh, I don't know. Uh, let's hope the the, the the rugby trend isn't at the cricket one as well. Yeah. Um, look, I think any time that Tom Latham and Henry Nichols are in a white ball team are up against it, I think our batting order is a bit back to front. Well, you know, not back to front, but we've got so many guys batting down that should be batting in positions where they're actually effective. Match guys like Phillips and Graceful. Um, I think New Zealand stocks are at a bit of a low. I don't think we have the talent we have, and as I've mentioned to you several times, I don't think we have the leadership mm. A, at head office level from David White, and B, within the team from Gary Steer. Look, I just, I worry about that. Like, they, they, they could have lost every single one of those matches. They've been bloody lucky. They were lucky, all right. Um, not so lucky, though, uh, this morning was uh, Cameron Smith, the Aussie, uh, with a Kiwi and Sam Pinfold on his bad guy. That's a good story. Um, and here's this kid with his horrible mullet um, who just seems to be playing great golf this year. Horrible mullet. I say it's a beautiful mullet, and I think it's only going to get oh. bigger. I think it's here to stay, judging by what he said. It's glorious. Uh, what a round. What an unbelievable back nine. That would be the best nine holes of major championship golf I've seen for some time. He was unbelievable. Rory McIlroy stood on the 10th tee with a three-shot lead. He didn't shoot a bogey the rest of the round and still got beaten by two shots. Um, McIlroy as well um, uh, only went into one bunker the entire, the entire tournament. In that bunker, he holed out from the bunker and he shot two 66s in the tournament, and he still didn't win. That just tells you how good Cameron Smith was throughout this week. Uh, this week, He has been brilliant now for a couple of years, two or three years, and well and truly deserves this major, and I think he could win a couple more. He seems very, um, very level-headed. Uh, as you say, Sam Pinfold is Kiwi caddy, lovely bloke, superb guy, uh, and I think they, they work very well together. So I think this could be the first of, of a handful for Cameron Smith. He's an exceptional golfer, very, very... You know, still still relatively young in his golfing career as well. And another point 
uh, this is the first time I believe in, in the open era anyway that um, that uh, all four of, of the major winners in the calendar year have been under the age of 30. So the new guard is definitely taking over. They certainly are, um, and I, I like it um, because uh, if uh, Liv catches on and we do have polarising things, uh, the PGA and the, the DP Tour are going to need new superstars uh, and these guys certainly are, are putting their names on that list, Hamish. But well, uh, it looked to be, from this far away, a really good celebration of uh, the 150th edition of the tournament. Just judging by the fans alone, the scenes uh, coming down the last were amazing. Yeah, it's my favourite tournament of the year, and I think the fact that uh, it was at St Andrews for the 150th was um, just added to what's always a, a magnificent event. Um, I listen to a lot of American golf podcasts. Those people have been in raptures about being at St Andrews, the town, the atmosphere, the people, uh, the golf course itself. Um, I don't know whether it's journalism that's too me into a miserable old bastard or whether I was always actually, but um, I have, in my heart of hearts, I really wanted Rory to win. I'm not a big fan. You know, I'm not a big fanboy, but I, the way he's taken live on, the way he's carried the PGA Tour on his shoulders, the way he's carried himself and been so articulate and such a great ambassador for, for the sport. Like, his best golf, when you're watching golf, is this some of the best golf you'll ever see. It's thrilling. He's a magnificent player. And I sincerely hope that he could put together four great rounds. He put on, I guess, three and a half. Couldn't quite get there, but that poor guy, I hope he's I know he's working with a guy, Bob Rotella, who's a noted mental skills coach, and I hope Rory's able to shake this off, and I hope he's able to contend again. But, but really and truly, this was his event to win, and I, I hope that he's able to recover and, and still be a, a, a great ambassador for the game because they need him. Um, delighted for Smith, but my thoughts today were with McElroy. I, I desperately wanted him to win, and I'm, I'm disappointed that he couldn't. Okay, Hamish Bidwell uh, today was uh, with us on the panel. So was Guy Havelt. Gentlemen, thank you very much uh, for your thoughts uh, there uh, on all those uh, issues. Rugby dominating, of course, as uh, you would expect on this Monday morning after the weekend that was. It is 10.40 here on SENZ. We'll have another panel same time tomorrow morning. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Maccas, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.